Welcome back to the Cedarville Stories podcast. Olivia Ansel is truly amazing. Her story is both overwhelmingly sad and hopeful. Enjoy this inspiring conversation with your host, Mark Weinstein. Thank you, Sarah, for that introduction. I'm Mark Weinstein, and I want to welcome everyone back for another episode of the Cedarville Stories podcast. Today in the program, I'm talking with Olivia Enzo, a 2019 graduate of Cedarville University's nursing program. She hails from Zeeland, Michigan. And without going into too much of the detail right now, because I want Olivia to share her story, she was involved in a near-fatal accident on May 28th of this year that forever changed her life. We will go into more detail momentarily. Olivia, with all that said, it's a delight to have you on the program. Welcome. It's great talking with you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. So before we get into the meat of the story, which involves your accident, I'm really interested in knowing how are you today? How are you feeling from a health perspective? Yes, for sure. Um, Obviously, I have a lot of challenges and a lot of struggles still that I'm facing. Lots of follow-ups, lots of therapies. Um, It's always very busy, but um, I'm doing well, recovered well. Um, Mainly the struggles right now are with my eye and with my left knee area, but doing well. Yes. And and that's great to hear. And as people will come to learn throughout this podcast, um, if that's all you're dealing with, That's a great situation, right? Oh, yes. I'm so thankful. (laughs) Yeah, and we'll get into that. So we are recording this podcast on October 28th. So some information may change once the podcast airs. Um, With that in mind, what are some of your biggest obstacles or issues that you are dealing with today? Um, Currently, I would say one thing that I've kind of struggled with more recently is like range of motion in general, um, just general movement and everything, um, some flexion and extension with my legs, movement with my neck, um, movement with my ankles, my knees, just everything, my back. Um, so lots of range of motion. And like I said um, before, my eye, uh, having some issues with that. I have double vision, um, some blurry vision, some issues like that. But like I said, every day is a struggle, but also lots of positives too. So, so is there? Um, there's obviously hope that this still can get corrected, and you could be somewhat back to the way you were when you before the accident. Is that true? Yes, yes. I'm on a forward, forward bound and stretch. So, fabulous. So as I, as I mentioned in the introduction, um, Olivia was walking on a sidewalk in Highland, Michigan our home state actually, uh, with her boyfriend when a car traveling 70 miles an hour in a 35 mile an hour zone veered off the road and hit both of them. Uh, Tragic. Um, Olivia, how well do you recall this situation? And can can you share it with us uh, for our podcast listeners? Yes, definitely. Um, I personally do not recall anything from the whole accident. Um, part of my like main part of the inner injury was a TBI, which stands for traumatic brain injury. Um, so I don't really recall anything from it. I completely was knocked out and basically have no memory from the whole first month um, after it had happened. Um, so everything that I will share is all from what has been told to me due to different witnesses and things like that. But what I had is I'm a nurse at a local hospital. And so that day I had a stroke recertification class. And so that was in the afternoon. It was supposed to go, I think it was like three to six or something like that. And it happened to end a little bit earlier. 
Um, and so I was going over to my boyfriend's house who lives literally across the street from the hospital. Um, and so very close by and was just, I think probably going to have like dinner or something, but it was a nice day. So we were going to go for a walk first. And so just walking down in the safe neighborhood from there, like I said, just walking on the sidewalk and yeah, 35 mile per hour zone and um, the reports and witnesses and everything docket around 70 is what um, the man who had us was going. And so obviously there was kind of no hope of survival at the beginning. Um, I don't recall anything after the stroke class, so I don't have any personal memory of it. Everything is just from witnesses that have remarked everything. But I think the accident was around like 530 in the afternoon. So regular time and everything. So you mentioned uh, there's really no hope for survival. One thing I read about your story is at the scene, I mean, medics rushed out, people nearby rushed to help, and that was great, and it probably helped a lot. Um, but one thing that I was intrigued with is when police were called, they specifically called a police officer who only covers fatalities. In hindsight, when you think about that, uh, does that put everything in perspective for you? What does that mean to you today? I must say it's pretty weird to think. It's crazy to realize, like, yeah, between me and my boyfriend, they were 100% certain that one of us were not going to be able to make it. And most most likely even both of us, I initially had thought at the time. And so it's weird now being knowledgeable of that and understanding it and knowing that there was such a slim chance at the beginning. But yes, uh, an officer came out to investigate the scene and write everything down and make all the determining factors who only comes out for fatalities. Where were your parents at this time? Do they live in the area? Yes, my parents and my boyfriend's parents, they both are in this local um, West Michigan area. Um, and so it's crazy because we initially went to a place called Holland Hospital, and then we were sent off to Grand Rapids to an ICU there um, that's a trauma base. Butterworth, right? Yes, Butterworth is what it's called. Um, and initially, I mean, they didn't, they didn't know anything. Um, we, me or my boyfriend usually don't carry our phones with us and everything. Like we're intentional when, when we're with each other, we just like to be with each other. And so we didn't have any form of identification on us. Um, it's kind of a weird situation. I don't know for sure how they identified, but I think someone had recognized me who works with me usually. Um, and then they put it together and looked me up on Facebook, I think, and then realized I'm in a relationship with, um, who was my boyfriend and found and discovered the names from that but it's just yeah my parents and his parents did not hear until after we were already at the ICU and we'd been worked on for a couple hours wow what a story how how are they dealing with this did they talk to you about that yeah I think it's been very hard for both um, both pairs of parents and um, my mom especially she was there literally morning to night every single day of my hospital stay she would get there early in the morning and not leave until like nine or ten at night um, and she even spent a lot of the first nights with me at the hospital because with COVID and everything nobody knew exactly when you'd be allowed in and when you'd be allowed out and so she stayed. Oh wow that's, that's a mom for you. Yeah. So so as as you briefly descri describe the accident, you know, you, you suffer from numerous injuries, uh, including severe traumatic brain injury, bone, skull, and spinal fractures, just to name a few. How did you survive? That's the biggest what-if question. I, 
I have to say, me and my boyfriend, like we've we've thought about it so many times. Like, obviously, I don't think we'll ever be able to answer why this whole situation happened. You know, why why did the car hit us? Why at that exact time? Why did that all have to happen? But I don't think we'll ever also be able to answer like why did we survive? How did it all work out and us recover so well? Um, I think that the only answer that explains it all is it's all God. Um, obviously, like honestly. <laughs> Every single like health professional, surgeon, doctor, therapist who's worked with us, all are just totally blown away at how well we've recovered and how well we've returned to normal um, with our brain injuries and everything too. They, they didn't think we'd ever like understand anything of what was happening, let alone be able to walk again or do anything again. And returning now to more of that state, it's just, it's mind blowing. <laughs> right. So it's been like five to six months uh, yes. of your recovery. So. Who who was in worse condition, you or Alex? I was, yep. What what happened to Alex? We were both critical at the beginning. We were both ICU status for about a week. Um, my injuries were slightly worse, but again, we were, we were both critical. Um, so it's it's hard to say exactly. So how's he doing today? He's doing very well. Um, I'm still not given permission to like work and drive and everything yet. I'm a little bit, a little bit behind, but he's back to work and he's doing very well. He's moved back to his home too. He moved it back in with his parents and everything for, for a short period of time because he needed some help and he's out on his own and he's, he's doing great. Did you guys, where did you guys meet? Yeah, we met at um, kind of at like our church. Um, and then also he has grown up being best friends with my sister's husband. And so kind of got further connected through that too. So so he's not a Cedarville alum? No, he is not. Okay. Well, he should have come. <laughs> I've said that too. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, um, you know, we both know that God doesn't waste anything, any yes. situation, any any experience that... Uh, and um, you're a classic example. He's not waste, He's not going to waste this situation uh, on you. But what mm -hmm. I'm interested in in hearing from you is because um, I know part of your recovery, uh, he used um, music uh, to help you in the recovery process, specifically the song Waymaker. Yes. Um, tell me why Waymaker was so important in your recovery process. Mm. I the first time I heard that song, I just fell in love with it. Um, I think that specifically throughout my recovery and throughout my hospital stay, um, the, the chorus just stands out to me so much. I mean, it literally starts by saying way maker and then it says miracle worker. And I think just like stepping back and looking through everything that God has done and his faithfulness through absolutely every single step, like he is such a miracle worker and it's it's just amazing. And the verses too, I mean, it's just, it's just a call to worship. And I think it's just, it's one of those things that's just, it gives me so much awe and wonder at like who God is and his faithfulness and his power and his control and how much beauty he has and how he works. And I, it's, it's changed my life. <laughs> I'm sure, I know we all believe that um, everything we do, everything that we should do is an act of worship. Would you say that even in your recovery in the hospital, and at this point, I'm saying, when you're probably out of the woods, you're gonna, you're going to survive. You, you will survive. That your recovery was an act of worship on your behalf. Mm. Yes, yes, and I think it's neat too because literally, like all my therapists, doctors, nurses, techs, everyone who worked with me, like 
I don't know how, like I said, it's all God, but somehow God used each of those people to work in my life. And somehow God used me to work in each of their lives. Like all my therapists and everything, literally they like changed after I left. Cause I was, I was at Mary Freebed for 72 days. And so obviously you get to know people pretty well after that long. And just working with those people day after day, like, I don't know, seeing, seeing them through it all, they all changed so much and they grew so fond of me and I grew so fond of them and we worked so well together and I'm, I'm so blessed. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I'm curious, you said they, they changed. How did you see them change as a result of working with you? One specific example that comes to my mind is there was a couple of um, therapists who were ladies and um, they, I was waiting for my, my therapist to come into the room and um, my therapist, they, they knew I loved worship music. And so he had playing worship music on um, his phone or something. And the two of them, they came walking in and literally they just, they started dancing and they're like, this is our favorite song. We love this too. And they started like worshiping too. And they were, you know, you just don't see that typically in like a public kind of environment that's not specifically Christian. Um, and I don't know, just seeing how everyone's demeanor changed, um, even just their conversations and everything, like pe- people did change. And my music therapist, um, he was not specifically a Christian too much, at least. I know that he like attended church and kind of was open to things, but not as vocal about his faith. And throughout it and everything, he started playing more worship songs for me. And um, he then started becoming such a fan of a lot of my favorite bands and everything that he was learning the music for. And he was telling me about new albums that had come out by certain other artists. And he started then worshiping and he would be singing and raising his hands during the worship again publicly with other people there. And you, you just saw a change. It's hard to explain. Right. Yeah. No, that's great. Thanks for sharing that. So have you seen these people who helped you in your recovery uh, recently, or when's the last time you were in contact with them? A lot of them, sadly, I have not seen since I left Mary Freebed, but at one of my follow-ups from Mary Freebed, I actually did get to see a couple of them. I saw my music therapist, and I saw um, a girl who was my pool therapist, um, got to reconnect with them a little bit, and so there's been some contact, and a couple of them have actually been reached out to me on social media and everything that they, they'd seen from other connections they had, and so I've had some contact, and it's been it's been neat. So you talk about recovery after the accident, after you you know you're moving toward recovery. I mean, did they have to teach you how to walk mm-hmm. again, or what kind of things had to be done? to help you get to the point where you are today? Because we're looking at each other through Zoom and you look really normal. <laughs> so how did, what did they have to do in the recovery process to help you get to where you are today? Yeah, when I was there at Mary Free Bed for the 72 days, I, I had to relearn everything. Um, I think that it was probably after two months of my stay since the, since the accident until I was really able to walk again. I, there was kind of a weird thing in the very beginning um, after I had gotten out of the ICU and just arrived at Mary Freebed, I like the first day of therapy, I somehow walked um, with some help, but w- I somehow walked. And then all of a sudden I hit like a point where I was unable to do that. And I couldn't do that for like two months. And looking back on it, we wonder if it's kind of a hint from God of saying like, she will be able to do this. I, I, I will work for on her to get her better. And like, just kind of giving that installation of hope and not utter dis- utter despair, feeling like you can't do anything anymore. Um, it kind of 
I had in the back of my mind because I didn't fully understand everything at the time, but my therapist and my mom and everything were able to say like, Liv, you did this since the accident. You can, you can walk, you'll be able to do this again. And so, um, yeah, but everything was a relearning process. Even, um, my, my mouth was wired shut. I had a jaw fracture. And so I had to relearn to eat again, relearn to talk again, relearn to walk again, relearn everything basically. Um, it's been hard. Yeah. In your conversations with your nurses and your mm-hmm. people who have helped you, um, how surprised are they, especially those who saw you early, how surprised mm-hmm. are they that you actually survived? Oh, so surprised. <laughs> um, I honestly, nobody expected it um, for for weeks and everything. Like nobody even thought, first of all, nobody thought I was going to survive. And at the at the best situation, even if I did survive, nobody thought I would be able to return to a physical state of functioning that was um, normal in any way or mentally, like I said, with a brain injury. Nobody thought I would be able to process anything properly or really be able to interact with people normally or anything like that. So, And obviously they were wrong because, you know, I can see you and you are as normal as anyone that I've ever interacted with. And your delight, your your energy and your passion for life, it just comes out of this computer uh, monitor. <laughs> well, so, thank you. <laughs> so keep it up. You're doing great. From your perspective, how has the Lord used this situation to impact your life, even right now? Because there's still more to come, but right now. God has worked in my life in so many ways. I think the thing that like I've learned the most is just realizing like God's goodness and God's faithfulness and his the the wonder of who God is. Like it does not change based on the circumstance that you find yourself in, based on the trial. And I think that like seeing seeing almost death face to face and seeing all these challenges and all the pain and realizing like God has not changed who he is. He's not changed at all. He has been faithful every single step of the way and he is working it together for his good and for his glory. It kind of puts everything into a proper perspective and it gets you off of yourself and off off of like that self-centered mindset of trying to work everything to organize just right and everything and even like with nursing, you know, how usually like, usually as a nurse, like you get to kind of organize your shift and figure out what it looks like for your patients. And um, I think it just kind of is, it's a humbling step to kind of see, like, I'm not in control of my own life. And this is kind of the hard situation that has been placed into my life. Um, But being able to walk through each step and seeing how God has worked through each step and how he's worked in the lives of so many different people to impact my life. Um, it's just, it's amazing. How do you think as you, once you get cleared to go back to work as a nurse, do you think this experience is going to help you be even a more compassionate, caring nurse or what's your thoughts on that matter? Yes. I, I think it gives me so much motivation to return to nursing. Honestly, I have such a love for nursing, like going into Cedarville, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I randomly kind of decided nursing. I was like, well, it's not too bad. I'll do that. <laughs> and so then all of a sudden with schooling and everything, I, I grew to love nursing truly. And I was loving it starting my first year. And I I think that working or not working, but being on the opposite side of healthcare, being a patient, seeing what it looks like to have good nurses, have bad nurses, like most of my nurses were wonderful, but you know, you just, you see things in a different way and how much, how much it means to you as a patient when a nurse 
takes that extra step to go above and beyond and to really, really minister to you and really encourage you and just be there. Um, it meant so much to me. And there's, there's so many nurses that just stand out to my mind right away. And it meant so much to me. And like, it gives me that motivation and that desire just to be that nurse to to other patients and obviously like it's not like you want to share a lot of personal things with patients so it's not like I'll be sharing my story every time but you can just relate in a different way um having been through it and yeah just a lot of the bone things too it's like I just I understand things in a different way and it's it, it gives me so much so much desire to go back to nursing so you talk about ministry right there and I want to bring that into you and to Cedarville University because I read some ways that maybe some of your Cedarville friends or your Cedarville faculty came alongside you during this journey how did they come alongside to, to serve and minister to you first of all i i have so much love and so much respect for cedarville and all of the all the faculty staff all my teachers my coaches everyone at cedarville reached out to me and reached out to my family during this crazy time and i'm i'm so encouraged by everyone at cedarville and i i was so blessed i had such a neat neat group of connection with a group of girls who were like some of my best friends and still are um, and they were just amazing. And literally during like that first week in the ICU, they actually all came here to Michigan from Ohio, from Georgia, from Pennsylvania, from all over. Um, they drove all the way just because they wanted to be able to pray right at the spot. They wanted to be able to be there to support my family. They knew they wouldn't even be able to see me due to COVID. Um, and they still drove all the way just to be there and be there together, pray, um, and that's at Cedarville. <laughs> Just the connection all of us girls developed through that time. It's crazy. Yeah. Now you say that's Cedarville or so Cedarville, but really that's what we're called to do. That's life. And we are to to go that distance. That's that just should be the norm, and that's just great to hear as an employee of the university. And I agree with you. The, the Cedarville students and faculty and staff are just amazing people. Uh, we're not perfect, but uh, the heart that we have for Jesus and to, and for each other is just really special. So, so thanks for sharing that. And it's definitely like everyone should be that way. Um, but at the same time, like the fact is not everyone is. And it, it stands out so much when a culture, a university like that all embraces that that love for the Lord, that joy, the the mindset of prayer and of devotion to the Lord. And you just, you see it so much. And like I said, I'm so thankful. Well, Olivia, I still have a f- few more minutes and I, I have three questions that I know I want to ask you. Uh, I want to mm-hmm. circle back to, um, you know, Alex, you know, I, I said at the outset that uh, you were walking on the sidewalk with your boyfriend, Alex, but uh, today he's a little bit more than just a boyfriend, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. is, isn't he at your fiance now? Oh yes. <laughs> oh, oh yes. So, so when's the wedding date? And give me give me some of the plans. Yeah, we're getting married December three, um, and so we we could not be more excited. I think we were we were so ready and excited before. He'd actually bought the ring before the accident, and so we were ready. Um, but I think that through this entire experience and everything, we're just we're just that much more excited and ready. So, oh, yeah. No. We wish you the very best, and uh, it's it's yeah. neat to see um, young people who really um, love Jesus and each other unite together uh, for life. So we wish you the very best. Last year, as a student um, in chapel, there was a theme or a phrase that uh, we heard over and over again, and uh, it, it played a role into your recovery as well. And that was that is, uh, God is faithful; we can trust Him. How did that message help you? during the recovery and even today? 
as you think back to all that you've gone through and what you hope to achieve going forward? Oh, it stands out so much to me. I, I remember Dr. White saying that at the end of so many sermons, and it just, it totally just flooded my, my heart. And I, I have so much respect because I, I just love those words. I feel like it just encompasses so much of, so much truth and so much of what is important to focus on. Um, obviously, yeah, God is faithful. And just the fact to focus on that of, who he is and no like I said, no matter what the circumstances, like his faithfulness does not change, his goodness does not change. He is always faithful and that you can trust him that says at the end. I just I love that so much because I feel like a lot of people oftentimes like doubt their faith and have questions and that's normal. Um and obviously with this kind of tra- tra- trial and tragedy um that I had to face, like it could be very easy to fall away from the faith or to to at least like take some steps backward. Um, but I truly just, I held on so, so strongly to my faith and it changed my recovery and it changed my trajectory of the path that I took. And I continue to trust him and hold on to, like I said, his faithfulness and like, okay, yeah, it's a lot of pain, a lot of challenges and difficulties, but I knew like he was faithful every single step of the way and he was leading me through and literally giving me life and breath every single second of every single day. And um, allowing me to hold on. And I, yeah, I have so much gratitude. I, I'm just amazed by that. I, I hold on to it every day. <laughs> I think he's given you a great platform for whatever he has in store for you. It's going to be fun to watch you over the years to see, you know, how he uses you. Cause you, I mean, you have a story to share and you could just from your experience, you can tell people that God is faithful and that you can, they can trust him because he was faithful to you in your time mm-hmm. of need. Isn't that right? Isn't that really where it all comes down to for you? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's easy to say, it's easy to say, oh yeah, God's faithful. You can trust him when, when everything is going good and easy and when everything is just great. Um, that's so easy to say. And it's, it's great. It's good. Um, it's true, <laughs> but I think it's easy just to say it casually and not as deeply. And when you've gone through a trial and a circumstance that's been this great, um, and I'm not claiming to be the only one, everyone goes through so many trials of different kinds and what all that looks like. Um, but when you're going through those seasons of your life that are difficult, I think realizing God is faithful, you can trust him and holding on to that and burying it deep into your heart, um, letting it be the foundation of your whole life. Like that's that's where it all starts, you know? Um, and it's just, it's a total life changer kind of thing. Um, yeah, it gives so much foundation. Do you recall any Bible verse coming in your, in your mind during your recovery or, or chapel sermon or even sermon? Did, did anything like that pop in your mind that you just needed for that moment that you recall? Uh, I always think of the verse that says, I look up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help from, comes from God who made the heavens, the earth, in the mountains. I think that's what it says. I could be matching it up, but oh, I love that verse. Um, I think it's just, it's one of those verses that just kind of make you stand back and say, God is so great. And he is the helper. He is the sustainer. He's the provider. He's our strength. Um, yeah, there's so many, I couldn't even begin with chapels at Cedarville and sermons. There's just so many. <laughs> oh, there's so many good ones. I, I always, I was on those note takers at chapel and oh, I loved it. <laughs> Uh, that's great. Yeah. Well, Olivia, I, I uh, have time for just one more question as we uh, wrap up. And, I, you know, you've probably answered this in many different ways, but I'll ask it in a different way. It, 
you know, as we sit here in the end of October, um, what is the Lord teaching you right now as you study his word? The thing that I could use best um, with words to summarize that is just his goodness and his faithfulness, um, regardless of the situation. Um, it's easy to allow whatever moment in life that you're in to kind of dictate how you, how you view God and how you view um, who he is and what he's doing in your life. Um, and even how you view the lens of other people. Um, but instead to let who God is alter your view and be that, let that be the foundation of how you, how you even live your life, how you talk, how you interact with people. Um, like I said, his goodness and his faithfulness, those are things that never change. Um, and there's so much beauty in that and steadfastness. And yeah, I think it's just amazing to kind of step back and be like, okay, even if this situation would have ended differently, even if I would have passed away, even if I would be in a wheelchair forever, even if mentally, if I would never be here and just be staring out into space and not, and not mentally be able to process anything, like God would still be good and he would still be using that for his glory. And holding on to that and finding that hope and that trust and that faith in that rather than whatever might, you know, be blowing by the wind and situations that come and go and change. Um, it gives me so much faith and so much hope. Like God is, God is so good and it never changes and how beautiful that is. <laughs> Olivia, thanks for sharing. You're, you're such an encouragement to me uh, during this podcast. And I know the uh, people listening are going to enjoy this. Um, thanks for sharing your story from the accident on and how the Lord has um, helped you recover has given you a purpose in life and uh, that you are committed to using that purpose to advance his name uh, in whatever you do. And it looks like it's going to be nursing and, and being Alex's wife. So um, <laughs> best wishes to you. Uh, look forward to um, hope you have a great wedding on December 3rd. And thanks for joining me today on the Cedarville Stories podcast. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Cedarville Stories Podcast, brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by this conversation, like I was, please share this episode with a friend. If you know of an awesome Cedarville story, share it with us. We would love to showcase how God is at work in the Cedarville family. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another Cedarville story for God's glory.